0: you have your Bible, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We've been turning there the last couple of weeks. We'll be there again this morning. Ephesians chapter 5. Macy, you can go ahead and put that first slide up to get us going as we continue. Oh, you already got it. Good. We forgot to switch it back there. That's all right. Um. Some of you saw my Facebook post yesterday in which I was wearing these, and I asked a question. I said, if, if I told you that um, in light of losing all the weight that I've lost and wanting to seize the day since fighting cancer over the last year, that I'm seriously considering saying yes to my friend's request to quarterback his tackle football team, would you believe me? And I got a whole lot of responses with a whole lot of support. Yeah, man, way to go. My brother's like, attaboy. And I'm like, these people are crazy. (laughs) The answer was not, or the question was not, would you believe in me, but would you believe me? And I appreciate everybody believing in me. Yeah, man, if you're feeling good, go for it. There's no way (laughs) I would say yes to playing in a tackle football league, not at all. Molly wanted to come up and try these on. So, Molly, you told me. Come on up. Let me show you all what this is. And, and I'll make my point, Molly, my 13-year-old. These are obviously football shoulder pads. In particular, they are quarterback shoulder pads. They're a little bit smaller. All football pads, as the science has gotten better, you know, what parts of the body do we actually need to protect, and as the materials have gotten better, it's, it's gotten smaller, which is cool. But these are smaller. And, there you go, Molly, they're quarterback pads because they have this thing. This is called a flak jacket. And the reason why a quarterback will wear a flak jacket is because it protects his ribs. Because unlike the other football players, he is often very vulnerable to get drilled in the ribs, break his ribs and the like. If a quarterback did not wear a flak jacket, he would be in dire trouble and hurt very quickly. I was thinking about it this morning. Quarterbacks like to launch foot touchdown passes. Defensive ends like to launch quarterbacks, right? And so a quarterback not only needs shoulder pads, he needs a flak jacket to protect his ribs. Thank you, Molly. I appreciate it. And you say, <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? We're going to continue our series, Love, Love. And marriage, but in particular this morning, we want to look at 20 practical ways that a husband can live out his calling as the head, the servant leader of his wife and of his family. And oftentimes when a pastor or a preacher, or some marriage conference guy is going to give, say, let me give you 20 practical ways that a husband can lovingly lead and provide for his wife and his kids, he will often say, now, wives, you cannot throw any elbows. But it's Mother's Day. So today, you are welcome to throw elbows right into the ribs. And he has no flak jacket, ladies. And kids, I'm, I'm going to be aiming at you, you too. I'm going to talk to your dad about some ways that he can lovingly lead his, not only his wife, but his kids as well. So If you hear one and you say, yeah, that's a good one. Dad's not doing that. Whack. Feel free to give him a good one right in the ribs. Now, I shared that poem earlier and it was wonderful, but I also saw something my brother posted this morning on Facebook and I had to share that one too. Happy Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. Leave all this for tomorrow. There he is. He's got the newspaper in his hand and a big smile on his face. Hey, babe, it's, you know, it's Mother's Day. Leave all that for tomorrow. We can do better than that, huh, guys? In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. He goes on, showed you last week, time and time again, to use this word love. We've said the husband is the head. We've said what that means is the servant leader. And, and in a word, the way he's to respond to his wife as the servant leader is with love. Clinton Arnold's a New Testament professor. He wrote, the present imperative of the verb love indicates that this kind of love should be the regular and hallmark feature of the husband's affections and behavior towards his wife. It makes no provision for the wife to earn the husband's favor. The command entails the husband's responsibility regardless of his wife's behavior, health condition, appearance, or any other deterrent. The fact that Christ loved the church even in her most unlovely and unbecoming state defines the love commitment that Christ expects from a Christian husband. His love should be unconditional. Amen. And not only his love for his wife, but as the servant leader to his wife and to his children. Now, as we look at these 20 practical ways, if you will, this is an exposition of practical ways to look at the word head or the verb love. As I was out on my morning, Sunday morning walk, as I look over my sermon and then head out for a walk, I thought of Jesus' words, physician, heal thyself. So I say to Tara and to my girls, I, in these 20, I look at them and I go, whew, I can do better I can do a whole lot better. These 20 are stolen from Dr. Robert Lewis, longtime pastor at Fellowship Bible Church of Little Rock, Arkansas, the creator of the men's fraternity curriculum that that equipped and helped a generation of men to be better men, better husbands, better dads, one of the lessons he used to give was 25 practical ways to, to live as a servant leader in one's home. We're not doing 25. We're going to do 20 of them. So, number one, include your wife in envisioning the future. Sometimes, guys, we can kind of live in panic mode reactive mode, just reacting to whatever life brings our way each day, each week. But as the servant leader of our home, we are meant to be proactive about the future. We are to take responsibility for our marriage, for our family, and think about where is it that I'm leading my family? Where do I want the marriage and the family to go? And not Really, where do I want it? But to work with your wife. To envision that future together. To say, yes, let's pursue this together. Let's sacrifice for this together. Let's live for this. And practically to do it. Robert used to tell us, fellows, you need to get away periodically with your wife. Not simply for a vacation. You want to do that. but, But this is almost like a work getaway. Where you get away with your wife to certainly have some fun together and some sweet times together, but to work on where do we want to go in the next five years? What do we want to do in our marriage and in our family over the next several years, over the next 10 years? Looking really as far ahead as you would like. Over the years, I've told you about this little book. It was written a long time ago by Bill and Carolyn Wellens. They were also at Fellowship Bible Church of Little Rock, worked with Family Life. It's called Getting Away to Get It Together. And it's a practical guide for getting away to get it together. A husband and a wife getting away for a couple of days, not just to have some fun, but to look ahead and to plan and think about their future together, and the family's future together. Might be a good idea for all of us men to get our wives and do something like that. Number two, to be a servant leader. There we go. Accept spiritual responsibility for your family. Guys, I know it because I've heard it you know, my wife, she's the spiritual one in the family. Well, that's wonderful that your wife loves Jesus. And that's wonderful that your wife pursues Jesus and wants to follow him and serve him. That's awesome. But the question you sometimes want to look at him and say is, yeah, but you've got a spiritual life too, right? You're a follower of Jesus too, right? Right? You want to love him and serve him too, right? I think all of us would say the answer to that is yes, but yeah, but she's really the one that's outpacing us, you know? And Robert would just remind us that we are the leaders of our family and even when our wives may be just knocking it out of the park in the pursuit of Jesus, we too are meant to follow him and be the leader of our family. Even if we can't have quiet times as long as hers might be. Even if we can't volunteer during the week as she might be able to do. We still bear the primary responsibility for Christ-like leadership in our families. And so we talk about the importance of church family with our kids. We lead our family to come and gather with the church. Fellas, we say, hey, babe, where are we going to serve this year to help our church family accomplish what God is calling it to be and to do? We initiate spiritual conversations at home, maybe with our wife, with our kids. We spend time in the Word and in prayer. We're growing in our relationship with the Lord so we can bring that kind of perspective to bear upon our household men men are to reject passivity and accept responsibility in bunches of areas of our lives this is one of them well maybe you need to reject the the passivity that just can grip us all right that's been our sin from the very beginning right men satan comes to eve tempts her and Adam apparently was right there and did nothing about it. Passive. And it's been one of men's problems ever since. And so we're called upon to reject passivity and accept responsibility. So that's number two. Number three, basically go ahead and click that one. Pray with your wife on a regular basis. This one follows right on it. But this one can be hard. It can be hard for me. I have led Tara in seasons where almost every night we pray together. And then for whatever reason, I just drop the ball and it leads to a season where we're not. And so often she's like, let's pray together. And I'm thinking, oh, I should have said that. Right? We talked about that. Leadership. Who says lets the most? And I admitted Tara says lets the most. And I admit that ain't right. Right? Man's supposed to lead. Hey, let's do this, and let's do that. And one of them is, hey, let's pray. And fellas, I know, it can be scary. It can be scary. But it can be as easy. I can remember Tara and I went to a marriage conference a couple, a few years ago. And it was with Family Life. Um, what do they call those? Weekend Remember. And the speaker up there It was great. He just said, fellas, he was talking to all the men, talking about this, and he said, all you got to do in the morning when you're heading off to work or she's heading out the door, just put your arm around her and just say a simple prayer that takes 10 seconds. Father, thank you so much for my wife. I pray for her that whatever you have for her today, that you will be with her and you will strengthen her. You will fill her with your joy. In Jesus' name, amen doesn't have to be long it doesn't have to be drawn out it doesn't have to be it can be and it can grow into that but it can be just simple as well number four let your wife and children into the interior of your life this one can be hard too right because we're not really good at this Just the other night, when when we had our date night up here, and we had the counselor from here in town talking to us, he was encouraging men, the husbands, when our wives said, how'd it go today? Not just to tell them what we did, but to tell them about the conversations that we had. And that's so much harder for me. Maybe it's not for you. It's easy for me to just spell out to Tara what I did that day. But that doesn't open up to her what's going on in my life just to tell her what I did. But if I'll tell her a little bit about the conversations that I had that day, it can begin to help. And with your kids and even with your wives, fellas, one way that helps with this is just to tell your kids stories. Stories about when you grew up, Stories about the crazy things that you did. Stories about the experiences that you had when you were young. Your kids love to hear that. They love to hear what gets you excited, what makes you anxious, what makes you afraid. Talk about this in a second, but it won't be long before Macy Mayer, my 18-year-old, Just turned 18 yesterday. About to graduate Cinco Ranch High School. And she's off to the Texas A&M. In just a matter of weeks. And so a couple months ago. I said hey Macy. You're about to be gone. You know. We get together on Thursday afternoons. And we're doing a little Bible study together. But we're also just talking about what's going on in her life. And it leads to a little bit of talking about what's going on in mine. And. I'd like to think that as I open up my heart a little bit to her about things that scare me and things that excite me. That it lets her into my life a little bit more. Some of you maybe had daddies who never opened up his interior life to you. And so you go, I don't even know how to do that. My my daddy was like that. And even when he'd try, I'd kind of clam up, you know. We'd be driving across town. And one of my daddy's favorite deals was, penny for your thoughts. You know, he's trying to break into me. What's going on in your head, Mitch? And yet I wouldn't respond often as he would hope. Number five, go ahead, Mace. Servant leader deals with distractions so he can talk with his wife and with his family. Maybe this one flows right on the other one, but there are distractions galore. And sometimes men, in order to have these kind of conversations with our wife, with our kids, with our family, we've got to be able to deal with those distractions. Hey, y'all turn off the TV. We're at a family meeting. Oh no, here it goes, right? No, it's okay. We're just going to visit. My family, praise God, we spend a lot of time around the kitchen table. We eat together a lot and so we're able to no TV, we'll have a little music playing in the background or whatever but it provides a wonderful opportunity for us to just talk as family maybe some of you, you just, just life just doesn't allow for you to gather around your, 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 your table that much then you gotta fight for times like this guys, maybe it's later in the evening where you gotta turn off the TV and get the family together and I'm not talking about every night but at least enough to stay connected. Date nights with your wives. Put them on the spot, but Michael and Sarah Harrington have a wonderful rhythm with their kids where Michael and Sarah are getting one-on-one time with their kids on a regular basis. Usually I think happens on Sunday afternoons right after church. They've got a they got a schedule of one of them taking one of the kids to lunch and they keep it going. It gives them a great opportunity just to connect, to deal with the distraction, to get alone with their kid, to love them and lead them. Macy and I have now been meeting and it's it's good. She's gonna be gone before I know it. Number six, You got to do this one, fellas. Be willing to say I'm sorry and forgive me to your family. Every time I've seen this one over the years, I think Arthur Fonzarelli from Happy Days. You remember him? And I I pulled it up. You can find it online. Just do the Fonz, I'm sorry. And it's a video. It pops up over and over again. It's from scenes from Happy Days where he says, I was. He can't get it out. He can't say I was wrong. I'm he can't get it out. And he tries again. I'm really and and Richie goes, "Fons, you don't have to tell me you're sorry." And Fonz goes, "Good. Okay, I won't." Here's the deal, guys. You and I are not perfect. We know it, and so does our wife and kids. And when you and I have this aversion to saying I was wrong, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Our kids and our wife do not think, oh, he must be perfect. What do they think? Dad thinks he's perfect. Dad never says that he was wrong. Dad never says that he's sorry. Dad never says, would you forgive me? Dad's far from perfect, but he thinks he is. They know it. And guess what? When you and I are willing to say, hey, when I reacted like that, that was wrong. I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me? Guess what they do? They forgive you. And they absolutely love you and me for it. Number seven, discuss household responsibilities with your wife. Make sure they are fairly distributed. That's just practical stuff, right? And Robert just used to, especially with this one, he would remind us and say, fellas, when you get home from work, the day is not over. And sometimes maybe we have that thought, been grinding it out nine to five or for some of you worse than that, you get home, my day's done. When the reality is it's not done. It's not done. There are some things that you can partner with your wife and must in the evening hours. And you all know that, but it's just a good reminder. Number eight, keep your family financially sound. Guys, again, we are the servant leaders of our families. We need to take some responsibility for this, even when our wives may be the one who is so much better at this. It may well be that she's the one who manages it all, but we're the ones who say, hey, babe, let's make sure that we've got a good plan in place to keep ourselves, to keep our family financially sound. How are we doing with the priority of giving to the Lord's work? How are we doing with eliminating the debts that we have? How are we doing on having some cash when we need it? How are we doing on investing for the future? How are we doing on our, having our proper insurance in place? How are we doing for planning and saving for college for the kids and those sorts of things? Having a comprehensive plan can be so very helpful, especially when you're a guy like me who that kind of stuff just and quite honestly my mom and daddy didn't train me in it and so I went into it with basically nothing and uh, Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey's ministry has been wonderful for me and my wife and for many of us and maybe some of you think you know that'd be a good idea for us to look into as well Keep your family financially sound. Number nine, right on its heels, seek consultation with your wife on all major financial decisions. Don't surprise her with that new car or better yet, that new bass boat, right? Hey, babe, look what I got this afternoon. She needs to be included on those things, right? Sometimes guys can get crazy with their toys. A car, a boat, jet ski, motorcycle, guns. Hey, babe, look what I bought. (laughs) You know, he's got, got a new shotgun. He got a new rifle. Cool. But did you talk to her about it? And sometimes, guys, right? She might not be inclined towards the money thing, and you've got all of that covered. But it's still—it's not your money; it's y'all's money. So you got to include her when you're thinking about those kinds of things. Number ten follows right on it. We got to go fast. Make sure you and your wife have an updated will, a well-conceived plan for your children in case of death, and all important documents in one place. This can be surprising sometimes how many many guys, couples, don't have a will in place. Or if they have it in place, it's not updated. So men, if it's been some time since you and your wife have updated your will, that might be something you want to look into. Again, making sure you have the right things in place. Should you pass? God forbid both of you pass. Is there a well-conceived plan and is it clear for who's gonna be taking care of the kids if you were to both be gone? And to make sure to have all those documents in a clear and one place, right? You don't, fellas, you don't want should you pass away this afternoon your wife to be at a loss about the bank accounts, about the investment accounts, about the insurance policies, about where the will is, about all that kind of stuff. In all of her grief, you want her to be able to to know where that stuff is. And it's in one place. And in fact, it's not only in one place, Tara's got a copy of it. My mother-in-law has a copy of it. Forrest Bjerkes here in our church has a copy of my stuff. So that if I were to pass away this afternoon, Tara's not going to be thinking about all that stuff, but Forrest will. Now, don't everybody go to Forrest. Forrest is a smart guy, and he is a competent dude. But you find somebody else, right? Maybe you find a friend and say, hey, I want you to have a copy of this too so that you could come alongside and help my wife through all of this stuff. Guys, do you have it in a place, all in one place, where she knows, who do I call? Where's the phone number? What's the account number? Have it all right there for. Number 11, follow through with commitments you make to your wife and to your kids. Our word needs to be gold with our wife and our kids. If we say it, we'll do it. And at times, I hadn't done this in a long time, but I've remember at least a few times with Macy, hey Macy, have I made any promises to you that I haven't kept? Have I, have I told you we're gonna go do something and then that was like a year and a half ago and we just haven't done it? Have I, have you asked me a question and I said yes and then just forgot about it or for whatever reason? We want to try to make good on our word. Number 12, anticipate the different seasons your marriage will pass through. Marriage changes, right, from one season to the next. Every marriage, Robert would say, is a series of little marriages butted up against one another. You got this marriage and then this marriage and then this marriage and this marriage. In fact, one one person said that a long-term marriage is really serial monogamy. Right, you've got a relationship with Tara, and then you got a relationship with Tara, and a relationship with Tara, and a relationship with Tara. It's a it's a serial it's serial monogamy. It's one marriage after another, butted up against one another. Because when you know when you first get married, you don't have any children. That's one kind of marriage, right? And it can be a whole lot of fun. There's a whole lot of time to travel to have fun. But then you have kids, right? And that's a whole different kind of marriage. When marriage comes with children, it can be a low point and a frustrating kind of marriage, guys, if we're thinking that we're still in this marriage with no kids. We've got to be able to anticipate that change and make the adjustments. And then, of course, and Tara and I are about to face it at least in part, here in a few weeks. That third kind of marriage, if you will, when the kids begin to leave. It's different, and especially, I'm sure, when they're all gone. Marriage passes through different seasons, and guys, we've got to anticipate that or we're gonna be caught off guard and allow our wife to be caught off guard and that sort of thing. Number 13, anticipate the different stages your children will pass through. I think this is really good. Robert says there are four ways that you and I can relate to our kids as they pass through stages. He said it like this When your kids are young and even in their teenage years, basically your role is that of coach, a strong coach. Do this, don't do that. You give directions, sometimes, even if you will, barking out orders. You're a coach. But but as they get older into the teenage years you turn from a coach more to a counselor. You're there to listen, to empathize, to be a part of all the emotion that's going on in their lives as they're going through all of that to offer advice in ways that they can receive it. He said if you try to be a coach with a teenager, you're in trouble. Do this, don't do that. Barking out orders. No, you're not a coach anymore. You're a counselor. Then third, in college years and in the opening years in the work world, you move to more of a consultant. You were a coach, then a counselor. Now you're a consultant. A consultant is someone who is invited in. He doesn't butt in. He gets invited in to give information. That's the new face of being a dad with a kid at that stage of life. And then finally, He says, if you navigate that well as they move into married life and young adulthood and the like, you move from a consultant to a colleague. Now they're your trusted friend. Our kids are gonna be going through those kind of stages and the way that we respond to them and react to them and engage with them changes. Coach, counselor, consultant, colleague. 14, frequently tell your wife what you like about her. 15, compliment your wife in public. So, 14 is more, you know, it's just you and her. Maybe you're out on a walk, maybe she's there reading a book in the living room, and you just stop by and, and you tell her what you like about her. And of course, complimenting your wife is in the presence of others. Number 16, encourage your wife to grow as an individual. From time to time, ask, what else would you like to do with your wife, with your life? What are your dreams? Now, this one's scary for me because Tara has a dream. And every time she talks about it, I'm like, and then I read this. And Robert Lewis is going, listen to her, you idiot. Maybe it will be. Maybe it should be. Maybe it could be. Maybe it must be. Can I share with him, Tara, what you want to do? No. No. We'll just have to, you'll have to wait and see. Number 17, plan fun outings for the family on a regular basis. Part of your job, fellows. part of my job is to keep laughter in the home, even if you're not funny. If you know my wife and me, she's the fun one. She's the social butterfly. But I keep it pretty fun. Right? Now, fun outings for the family on a regular basis. Some of these might be big things and some of you all have the means to do big things. Praise God, good for you. Others of us might not be able to do such big things. You do what you can. Right? And this, guys, what we're talking about here, we're talking about dancing in the kitchen. Tara and I were doing that the other night. The girls were absolutely loving it. They couldn't believe that I knew how to two-step. That's the only thing I know how to do on a dance floor. And I know a few of the spins, you know. And then the girls jumped in. They wanted to learn. Having a whole bunch of fun. This is going to get ice cream. When I say, that, don't don't think of these big things. This is, hey, jump in the car. We're going to Ritter's. And we're going to get some ice cream. This is riding bikes together. This is going bowling. This is just little things that keep it fun and create memories. Number 18. Take the time to give your children practical instruction about life. It gives them confidence with their peers. I probably don't need to tell you, I still don't know how to tie a tie. I figured out my own way to tie it like 30 years ago. I know it's wrong, but it's the way I do it. My daddy never taught me how to tie a tie. Now, I know there's YouTube, and yes, I should watch it. <laughs> but I haven't yet. I don't know how to tie a tie. Some of y'all saw the movie, uh, We Bought a Zoo. You remember when De- Matt Damon dad and the kid are fighting and fighting. And the, and the boy just finally just blurts out, you never even taught me how to shave. He said, you want to learn how to shave? It's like there was all of this angst and where's all the angst coming from the frustration dad's not even teaching me how to shave don't let your child guess at life it makes them feel foolish it takes the clumsiness out of life and it inspires confidence rather than anger and frustration So how do you tie a tie? How do you dribble a basketball? How do you fill out, you know, checkbooks? Y'all remember those, right? Um, I looked up family life. Twenty-five things to teach your son. (laughs) Huh. But how to speak in public, how to build a fire, how to carve a turkey, how to light a grill, how to jumpstart a car, how to use basic tools like a hammer, a saw, a screwdriver, how to handle a gun and a knife. Number 14, how to skin an animal. (laughs) Family life is out of Little Rock. Little Rock's got a bunch of hunters. And so uh, there's guns in here, skinning animals, starting fires, camping out. How to dress like a gentleman. How do you coordinate pants, shirts, jackets, ties, belts, socks? I don't know. Number 19, join a small group of men who are dedicated to improving their skills as a man, a husband, and a father. We need to do better at this, at Redeemer. But men, at least, maybe, get into a community group or if you can, join us on Friday mornings for a men's Bible study. Come to our men's breakfasts. Just grab some buddies, make some buddies at church or some other Christian buddies and say, hey, let's get together for coffee or let's get together for breakfast." And it's meant to be relationships that don't only talk about sports and the weather, but encourage one another in the noble things of life. To be a better man, to be a better husband, to be a better dad. And then number 20, lean entirely on the grace of God. Because you and I can't do any of this in our own strength, but with Him, we can make steps in all of it. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, not only has he forgiven you of all of your sins, including all of our failures in these areas, and praise Jesus for that. But that's not all he did for you and me. He didn't only forgive us of our sins. And he didn't only impute his righteousness to us. He also did a whole bunch of other things. One of which is he gave us his spirit. And thus we now live life in the spirit. And one of the things the spirit does is empower us for obedience. What we cannot do in and of our own strength, we can do in the power of Christ. Christ through his spirit, not perfectly, not all the time, not without continuing to stumble and fall, but really and truly, you and I in the power of the Holy Spirit can take steps in obedience, practical steps to be the servant leaders of our wives. Quote him all the time, but Howard Hendricks used to tell us after he'd give us some long list like this, he'd look at us, Prof. Howard Hendricks at Dallas Seminary, he'd look at us and say, and I found out later he was quoting some uh, Czechoslovakia guy, don't just stare up the steps. Right? I just gave you 20 steps to stare up. He said, don't just stare up the steps step up the stairs step up the stairs with the grace of god the spirit of god in your life and mine men we can begin to take steps up these kinds of stairs let's pray father every well every man here and every woman here could probably make a different list of 20 that this is what servant leadership looks like. And their list would be just as good as this one. We could flesh this out in a million different ways. But here's 20 pretty good ones. Lord, might we men, we husbands, we fathers, walk away today uh, inspired to further st- Accept responsibility as husbands, as daddies, as men. And we would be excited about the journey, empowered by your spirit to love our wives as Christ loved the church, to serve our family as Christ serves us. Father, if there's any here, men or women, young or old, who've never experienced the forgiveness that comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If they don't understand the good news of the gospel, of Jesus' death on the cross for sinners, his resurrection from the dead, and what that can mean for one's own sins and one's own life. If there's any here today, who haven't experienced that new life in Christ. I pray that you very gently would impress upon them their need for Jesus. And maybe they would come and visit with me or with someone and talk about what what is the gospel. What is this relationship with Jesus all about? Lord, we thank you. We pray for your grace and your help not only to the men in the room, but to all of us, that we might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord in all our ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.